Chapter Ten of One Commonplace Day by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: Fruit from the Picnic. In Mrs. Copeland's pretty little dining room, there was trouble. Mrs. Copeland was polishing the silver teaspoons, which had worn themselves thin in her grandmother's service, and were few in number, and represented the very small stock of silver which the Copeland family possessed. There were two bright spots glowing on the lady's cheeks, not caused by the warmth of the room, for the fire had died down. The windows were set wide open, for Kate Hartzell had a duster in her hand, and had just been using it faithfully. Her face wore a distressed look, and the tears in her eyes were bent on coming to the surface if they could. Fanny was there in a trim morning dress, preparing to iron a ruffled and tucked garment, which needed time and skill. "'Of course, if you are resolved upon it, I have nothing more to say. I have no right to restrain you even if I felt inclined, and I am sure we do not want you to stay with us if you prefer to go. But I must say I am surprised.' Kate struggled with her voice to keep it clear. "'Mrs. Copeland, I don't know how to tell you how hard it will be to do it. I have looked forward to my home here this winter with much pleasure. Surely you know that I would not leave such a place as this, for such a home as I am going to, if I could see any other way to do?' "'I don't understand such talk as that,' the lady answered coldly. "'You were aware that you had a father and brother when you came here. They are in no worse circumstances, I suppose, than they were when I took you into my home. I don't see how they well could be, I am sure. I don't know why you should suddenly be impressed with the idea that it is your duty to go back and grovel with them. I should think your self-respect would hold you from doing so. It is unaccountable to me, I must say.' While she spoke, the color deepened on her cheeks, and her indignation seemed to rise at every word. I am sure I have spared no pains to make you feel at home and happy, and to give you advantages, and Fanny has treated you more like a companion than like a servant. She even arranged that you should attend the picnic in her company, and have as pleasant a time as the rest of them. But there was something in this sentence which made Fanny blush. She could hardly help remembering how little she had contributed to Kate's happiness on that occasion. Oh, mamma, she murmured, never mind that. I am not minding it, daughter, Mrs. Copeland said with dignity. It is of no consequence, of course. People don't do such things for the sake of the gratitude which they will receive in return. I am only suggesting to Kate that she has had certain advantages here which she would not be likely to have in every home. I have had everything, Mrs. Copeland, and I shall never be able to tell you how grateful I am for all that you have done for me in the last few months. I can never forget it. I go away because I think I ought. I did not know I was shirking my duty when I left my father and brother. I could not see that I had any duty toward them. I did not know a thing to do, but now I have discovered ways in which I might possibly reach them. I cannot help thinking that I ought to try." Oh, Mrs. Copeland, they are human beings, and they may be saved. It was not possible to be deaf to the piteous cry there was in the young girl's voice. Mrs. Copeland felt it, and was silent for a full minute. Silent, but not convinced. She spoke coldly at last. You can help them better by retaining your respectability than by sinking to their level. 
how any girl of your capabilities and with your opportunity for escape can think for a moment of dropping back into that hovel to live like the pigs is more than i can imagine there must be something wrong she had talked herself into indignation again kate had no words ready the tears were having their way now in spite of her fanny ironed with rapid hands and the silver spoons took such a polishing as they had not received in months it was fanny who found voice first mamma will you let that haynes girl come and try it if kate goes away no fanny i will not i have no time nor heart for any more experiments of the sort i have given all the clothing i could spare to kate and your father is not in circumstances to do more than we have done besides as i say i have no heart for the effort what does it amount to we may as well determine to save our sympathy and get along alone if mrs copeland had known how every word she uttered burned in the heart of the desolate girl before her she would have closed her lips firmly and let not one escape the trouble was she considered herself an ill-used woman she had been kind to kate hartzell since the first time she saw and was struck with her pure sad face and inquired who she was and learned with intense dismay and deep pity that she was the daughter of old hartzell the drunkard who had been living with an aunt until now the aunt was dead and the daughter had come home to misery and poverty such as the respectably poor cannot even imagine mrs copeland was not a benevolent woman in the large sense of that term she was a loving and faithful mother an excellent housekeeper a member of the church who was generally in her pew on sabbath morning a member of the missionary society giving her ten cents a month without outward grudging when the collectors called for it but she never attended the meetings for lack of time she said and honestly thought it was true and she occasionally remarked to fanny or to a very intimate friend that if the ladies would interest themselves in the poor of the town and save their ten cent pieces to dress up some of the sunday school children she thought it would be quite as well she had what is called a warm heart that is when any case of actual suffering came to her ears she was ready with her sympathy and with what means she had to help in an emergency but anything like systematic warm-heartedness anything like going out into the world and looking right and left for the people who possibly needed sympathy and flannel and beefsteak never entered her mind the poor must come to her must represent their needs and make good their claim to something like respectability if they wanted her help the widest step out of the beaten track that she had taken was to reach after this kate hartzell knowing nothing about her but her interesting face and neat dress and the fact that she had sought out the sabbath school and joined a class and learned her lesson mrs copeland watching her one sabbath had resolved to experiment dr copeland was a physician with an extensive country practice a hard country ride and a large class of poor patients whom he grumbled about and served faithfully he managed as the years went by to get for himself a neat home and to support his family comfortably it had taken management and thrift to do this dr copeland had been heard more than once to say that if it had not been for his wife's excellent seconding they could never have done as well as they had that eastwood was the best town he knew of for a doctor to keep busy and poor 
however by dint of very careful economy they had sent fanny for one year to an excellent school and they had ambitions which as yet they hardly dared mention even to each other for their one boy holly there was certainly reason for economy in the copeland family this was why mrs copeland had hesitated even when her sympathies were drawn out toward the girl who came every sabbath to church looking neat and clean and who came from the flats could she take her from that dreadful place into her home and teach her to be a notable housekeeper and teach her to sew and to darn and to be at home in all the mysteries of home life what a blessing that would be for the girl she could dress her out of fanny's outgrown clothing for fanny was tall and kate was short and fanny was in school and had left many things at home not suitable for school life and it was lonely in her kitchen with fanny always away and holly at school and dr copeland riding over the country night as well as day if the girl proved to be neat and quiet and respectable as she looked might she not become in time a comfort there had been much thinking and some talking with the busy doctor who was disposed at all times to think that what his wife thought must be the right thing and at last with many misgivings she ventured the few people who knew anything about it had shaken their heads at her and said that it was a hazardous experiment to take a girl from the flats but mrs copeland having resolved was not one to give much thought to shaking heads kate was sent for and interviewed and came promptly into the copeland kitchen feeling a little like one who had been imprisoned in a dungeon and had suddenly gone to heaven she did not grow into being a comfort she jumped instantly into that character she had not been in the copeland home for twenty-four hours before holly became her firm friend and ally and dr copeland pronounced her a handy creature and mrs copeland congratulated herself that she had certainly done a kind and benevolent thing for the girl and a comfortable thing for herself thenceforward for some months life went on smoothly for the copelands then fanny came home tall beautiful girl that she was with a cheery heart and a sunny voice and took kindly to the interloper finding it comfortable to have her share of the kitchen work done for her by deft and willing fingers finding it pleasanter to bestow little cheery favors which cost nothing on one who was so grateful and so helpful the first break to the comfort had been when the mother resolved that kate should have a holiday and go to the picnic where all the town was going and that fanny should take her with her and look after her a little she had not meant that kate should be considered a companion of her daughter exactly though she had not given a great deal of thought to that matter it was just a sudden remembrance of the fact that the girl was young and never had chances to make one of merry parties like other girls and a sudden resolve that for once she should go the woods were ample there was plenty of lunch and kate would look after the basket and the napkins and the dishes as fanny never did and fanny could see that kate had what help she needed in getting through the ravine and for the rest young people could take care of themselves mrs copeland gave very little thought to the whims of society in fact she was above many of them well as you know the girl went to the picnic and mrs copeland looked after the party complacently and said that kate looked as neat and appeared as well as any of them and she felt pleased with herself all the afternoon and for days afterward 
Whenever she looked at Kate or thought of her, it seemed to her that she had done a nice thing in rescuing the girl from the miseries of the flats, and setting her down among respectable people, and giving her opportunities for holidays and nice times. Now, five days after the picnic was supposed to be a thing of the past, came this sudden revelation from Kate. She had been thinking about it for several days, and now she had resolved that her duty was to go back to the tumble-down house on the flats, the worst one in the row, and help her sick sister-in-law to try to make a home for the father and brother. She had heard that the sister-in-law was sick, and that things were at their worst, but she had not seen her duty clear, nor known, indeed, of anything that she could do, until now. Perhaps she could do nothing now, but at least she could and must try and Mrs. Copeland was astonished and hurt and indignant. She thought she was being badly treated. Kate found words at last. Mrs. Copeland, there is nothing in life too hard for me to do for you, to show you my gratitude, if I knew anything to do. But I cannot get away from the feeling that I must try to save Father and John. Father is growing old. He is sick. He cannot live long. Can I have him die a drunkard and make no effort to save him? Mother went to heaven, Mrs. Copeland, and she begged my father to meet her there, and I am afraid he never will, and the only daughter he had has deserted him and is living in comfort while he draws every day nearer to the dreadful end. I mustn't do it, Mrs. Copeland. My eyes have been opened. I dare not do it. I will never forget what you have done for me, and if there is any way in which I can ever pay it, you may be sure I will. But I know that I must go. I will not take any of the clothes you gave me. I will leave them for you to help somebody else, as you have me, and I will not go while you have company, or until you can spare me as well as not. But I must go and try. And, oh, Mrs. Copeland, you are a Christian. I beg you to pray for Father and John. John was so handsome and noble once, and Father was kind and good. The tears came now in a perfect passion, and had their way without check for some minutes. They did not soften Mrs. Copeland. She had but little knowledge of human nature, but little acquaintance with the depths of the human heart she saw in this outburst only a touch of the sentimentalism which she believed to be rampant in all young people unless held in severe check it took a somewhat peculiar form it is true the girl must have gotten hold of some trashy book which had given her a desire to become a heroine and this was the most startling guise in which she could bring it to pass she saw no possible good that could come from the girl's going down among that set to live here it was only yesterday that she was congratulating herself, as she stood at the corner and waited for the father to reel by, over the fact that she had rescued the girl from a life of shame. What was the use in trying to do benevolent things if they ended so ignominiously? As she thought it all over, her cold indignation grew. "'There is no need for you to make such alarming sacrifices, Kate. You are welcome to all that has been given you.' They might have been bestowed, it is true, on someone who would have valued them more, but they certainly will not be given away again by me. Take them and do what you like with them, and if you are resolved on a course which I think wrong and ungrateful, you may go at once. I do not want any delay on my account. It would simply be a trial to me to see you around. 
there had come another into the family group during the last ten minutes this was holly a boy of fourteen large for his years and manly looking his eyes which were brimming with fun when he dashed into the room changed into wondering ones as he glanced from one to the other of this excited trio and grew grave and troubled as he listened then at last they flashed he came with quick steps over to kate's side he had heard her last passionate cry to be understood i believe in you kate i don't want you to go away not a bit but i guess you are doing right i know you are if you think so for you always do what's right i hope you will get your father and brother to reform and i'll help all i can i'm going to do all of that kind of work i can i've made up my mind what the great brown eyes that smiled on him through tears said to the boy i shall not attempt to say speech was beyond kate just then but she laid her hand on his arm as she passed and he looked into her eyes and nodded and seemed to understand holly said his mother coldly have you been reading dime novels too mamma said fanny this is some of the fruit of your picnic plan i saw kate getting dreadfully excited over the temperance talk if she had not gone to that picnic all this would not have happened End of chapter ten